0: Welcome to another episode of the Myths That Make Us podcast. And today is the final episode of the Horizon series. And it is called the Infinite Game OS. Uh, This is the, you know, like the crowning jewel of the Horizon series. And this is essentially the operating system or the worldview that can hold the archetype of the Dharma artist. So if you're new here, the Horizon series is a series of essays that I wrote in 2023 through which I discovered um, the task of my life, which is to help people realize that they have a dharma and that they are artists and that there's a way to weave these together where their dharma becomes their vocation and that they can truly help build the future. Because I think the main way that we're going to build the future is through new myths, new stories. And the most powerful creator of the future is going to be artists. You know, hundreds of years ago, it was the best warrior or the best ruler was the most powerful person. And then for about 100, or 200 years, it was uh, entrepreneurs and engineers but I believe we're entering into an age where the most powerful archetype for helping to mold the future are artists. And uh, those are the people that I want to help. And so this last episode of the Horizon series is the operating system that can run the program of the Dharma artist, and it's called the Infinite Game OS. Please enjoy. The Infinite Game OS. I had a dream last night where I was at a party and in what appeared to be a large ski-style resort. The noticeable features were the ceilings. They were 50 feet high. The place was beautiful, and there were maybe 200 people there. All I remember was a crescendo of music and feeling awe and surprise as I watched a few dozen of the people at the party begin to rise into the air like they were ascending to heaven. Standing there transfixed, With tears streaming down my face from witnessing something so miraculous, I felt as if reality itself was holding me like a mother holds a child. Her chest was the oak floor that I stood on. Her heartbeat was the vibration bumping through the speakers. And her voice was the excited whispering of the party. And her glory was the ascensions happening in front of me. I woke up with some serious juice. This was a once in a six months kind of dream for me. The emotionality was piercing and incredibly beautiful. I've been struggling this past week, and I think the dream was a drop of balm for my unconscious. Luckily, the struggle is by choice. I'm mainly struggling with trying to grasp and translate a new idea that I've recently discovered called The Beginning of Infinity by David Deutsch. I can tell that I don't understand something when I try to talk about it. When i really get something i'm a mix of a michael scott and a olympic gymnast i just start saying something i don't know what i'm going to say but by the time i get to the end i can feel that it really lands for people this is not what i feel when i try to describe the beginning of infinity when i don't understand something i do the opposite i try to repeat what i've learned in the same words that i learned it And I start to feel this confusion start to grow in my listener as I speak. And this tends to lead to my face getting red and my ego getting hurt. So I'm gonna try writing it out for you here. My intention is to make it as simple as I can possibly make it. I'll probably hurt my ego, but maybe I'll inspire a few of you to go check out this work on your own. The two operating systems. Try this metaphor on, Life is a game, your body is a biocomputer, and your psychology is the operating system that you use to interface with the game of life. Operating systems are literally what makes it possible for us to use our computers in the first place. The truth of your computer is that it is electrodes and magnets manipulating the movement of electrons. Those electrons are then interpreted by a machine into either a one or a zero. From that one or that zero, an operating system can be built. Without an operating system, if you had to move electrons on your own, you would never send an email. You can't play the game of life without an operating system. There are two types of operating systems for the game of life. The first is called the finite game OS. The finite game OS is like Apple. It's the most popular because it's the easiest to use, but the OS is closed. You can't easily customize it. You're kind of stuck with what you buy. The Finite Game OS is the worldview that sees reality as finite. Some common programs that the Finite Game OS play are, you believe that death is the end. You believe scientific knowledge is finite. You believe wealth creation is finite. You believe that your capacity to transform your life is finite. You believe any of your habits are fixed, bounded, and unchangeable. You think that humanity is a virus on this planet, there are no solutions, and that we're fucked. You believe in utopias, that there is some perfected place that we can get to, that if only we got there and kept us there, everything would be okay. You believe in some version of the clockwork God, that there is already everything that has ever been, and it is here now, and God looks over it. You believe in determinism. You believe that people are the problem and that we need to have less children. Because you believe wealth creation is finite, you believe that jobs are finite. And so you believe AI is capable of stealing jobs. Some of the best selling games on the Finite Game OS are avoid risks so you can die safely, ruin your integrity to win at work because your title and your money will save you from death. Live a life obsessing about your status, compete with your friends, with strangers on the internet, with your coworkers, and with your family. Be vicious and cruel and manipulative because preserving your status will save you from death. Because you're afraid to look dumb, stop learning. Starve your curiosity. Hide its body. Pick your religion, pick your political party, and be a parrot for the rest of your life because your in-group will save you from death. Do what your boss tells you. Even if the numbers on the spreadsheets represent human lives, tell yourself you're doing it for your family. You have a mortgage. Choose arrogance and cynicism and apathy because you've convinced yourself that the world is fucked and rigged and so you don't have to do anything to help. Do just enough to afford your piece of land and then dip out of the collective game because you secretly think that we're all fucked and live the rest of your life with your family on your land. The App Store has hundreds of thousands of apps. The finite game has hundreds of thousands of games. Take a couple of minutes and ask yourself, which finite games have you most enjoyed throughout your life? And email me your favorite and I'll keep making a list. You've probably guessed it, but the other OS is the infinite game. The infinite game is to the finite game what links us is to Apple. Linksys is an OS designed to be customized, It invites creators and programmers to make of it whatever they want. Linksys is not nearly as popular, but in the right hands, it is orders of magnitude more powerful and more fun than an Apple OS. The infinite game OS is the worldview that sees reality as infinite. Some common programs are death is not the end of the game. Scientific knowledge is never done. It is always evolving. Wealth creation, like job creation, is infinite. Your identity is constantly evolving. You always have more opportunities to change or to grow. Nouns are lies. You believe humans are infinitely capable, and as long as we exist, we have everything that we need to improve all of life for all conscious beings on this planet. You don't believe in utopias. Because you know that the nature of reality is to evolve and to change, utopias require a finite game OS to run. You believe God is an infinite, evolving process, not a clockmaker. Your life is a participation with the bleeding edge of God Goding. You believe in choice. You believe every child born is a potential species altering genius. Before we go further, it is important to note that there is a bug in the Infinite Game OS that many people run into and their computers glitch when they do. A glitched computer is psychosis. A glitch can lead to a crash, and a crash is a psychotic break. It's like the Joker from Batman peeking on LSD and MDMA simultaneously. He realizes that nothing is true anything is possible, and his wild ego, like a trapped dog seeing an open door, bounds out furiously. With the help of the euphoria of realizing the ecstasy of an infinite universe, the ego starts weaving the story it most wants to be true, with complete disregard for reality. The glitch is the finite ego tripping over infinity. Some common stories of this tripping are... I, the ego, believe that my behavior today will save or end the world. It never has, and it won't. The tripping ego believes that a podcaster we love is sending us hidden messages, and if we decipher those messages, we could save the world. They aren't. It won't. The tripping ego believes that our mushroom vision was a prophetic vision and will 100% happen. It might, but it probably won't. This is Icarus getting too close to the sun and that this beautiful madness has a twin and its twin is paranoia. The tripping ego believes they are spying on me because I've awakened. It's probably not the case. The tripping ego believes they have installed something in me and so I'm never safe, i.e. a chip or some dark spirit. They probably haven't. The tripping ego believes that the only way out of this nightmare is to kill myself. This is the epitome of the tragedy of the finite game OS. And if you download the infinite game OS, there is always a possible option. And I'm going to explain this more deeply later in this article because it's one of the most profound things that I've ever learned. In computer science, the word patch means a set of code that remedies some kind of glitch in the program or the operating system. Thankfully, there is a patch for the ego transitioning between the finite game OS and the infinite game OS, and this patch is called the good explanation. The jump from the finite to the infinite can break brains. It can ruin people's lives. But making the jump is worth the risk. So let's get to downloading the Good Explanation patch for any of you who want to make the jump. And before we go to the next section, I just want to zoom in here real quick. When people who have lived most of their life in a finite game OS, when they start to taste the truth of the infinite game, something that I see often is there's a potential for psychosis in this moment. When the finite begins to perceive the truth of the infinite and the two major styles of psychosis is where the ego tries to inflate itself above the obstacle or tries to depress itself below the obstacle and you could this is a rough map but you could say that one is grandiosity you know, and that's where we believe that our actions are the actions that are going to save the world or that what we believe that this, this other person needs to know is the thing that needs to be said. And if it doesn't, then the fabric of reality will break. That's grandiosity. If you believe that your favorite podcaster is speaking directly to you to give you a hidden message about X, Y, and Z, that's grandiosity by the way, if you're listening to this, I'm not talking directly to you, whoever you think you are. So just don't fall for that trap. The reverse of grandiosity is paranoia. And paranoia is, what's interesting is it's like, it's the flip side of grandiosity because paranoia also um, assumes that you're way more important than you actually are. You know, like if you think about it, oh, because you're waking up, you're threatening the matrix, and so the agent's myths are coming after you. It takes a pretty decent amount of grandiosity to hold that story. Oh, you got abducted by aliens, and they put a chip in you because whatever it is that you're doing is sufficiently important, etc. cetera. Um, without going too deep down, different psychoanalytic rabbit holes, our ego is trying to work out symbolic truths and we get confused and we make them literal because we think that if we don't, we aren't properly justifying the immensity of the feeling. And I think one of the most important things that modern people can learn how to do is how to differentiate between the symbolic and the literal and how to weigh the two. And that happens to be a part of the essence of what this good explanation patch part is going to be about. So let's get to it. The good explanation patch. All right, enter in my motherfucking man, David Deutsch. Let me drop his resume for you for a moment. He graduated from Cambridge and Oxford. He is a fellow of the Royal Society and a professor of physics at Oxford, where he is a member of the Center for Quantum Computation. His papers on quantum physics laid the foundations for that field, and he is an authority on the theory of parallel universes. He wrote a paper in the 80s describing a theoretical quantum Turing machine and he wrote a theoretical algorithm that that computer could run, the outcome of which would either prove or disprove the multi-world interpretation of quantum physics. So let me just say that again. 25 years before the first quantum computer was ever created, this dude wrote a thought experiment about what type of computer would need to be created to run the type of algorithm that would need to be attempted to be solved by this computer, the output of which would either prove or disprove the existence of multiple worlds. So check out this next part. Fast forward 25 years and his paper was used as the blueprint to actually create the first quantum computer that then actually ran the algorithm he wrote, that then actually showed the output that proved that the multi-world interpretation of quantum physics was true. Imagine you're trying to solve a theoretical problem and you don't have the technology that exists. You then create a thought experiment where you imagine the type of machine or technology that would be required to see whether or not the thing that you believe is true is true. And then 25 years later, they use your thought experiment as the blueprint to make the fucking technology. And then the technology does exactly as you predicted that it would do and the output proves that there's multiple worlds. This is the motherfucker that we're talking about here, David Deutsch. But he would tell you, he would be the first to tell you that his accolades don't mean shit when it comes to what he's trying to talk about. So now let's introduce his patch. This is called a good explanation. Warning, his books are worth your time. I'm going to savagely, arguably, grotesquely simplify his arguments here. If you want to understand why this is one of the most significant ideas that I've ever found, go peep his book, The Beginning of Infinity. There are two types of thoughts, good explanations and everything else. A good explanation is a story that allows people, what he calls universal constructors, to transmute matter or ideas into the forms that we desire. I'm gonna say that again, because this is, uh, it's just fucking paradigm shifting. A good explanation is a type of story that when enacted by people, AKA universal constructors, The enacting of the explanation allows us to transform matter or ideas into the forms that we desire. Good explanations make us alchemists. The theory of electromagneticism is a good explanation. It allows us to harness the power of electricity. The theory of, if Caitlin is mad at me, using facts to argue will make it worse So if I listen and co-regulate and find places to play and laugh, it's going to get better. This is a good explanation to the degree that when I act it out, I get the transformation that I'm looking for. A good explanation has four fundamental features. Number one, it can be criticized. Number two, it can be falsified. That is to say, it can be put through a experiment. Number three, the specifics cannot be easily varied. And number four, when you enact it, you can transform something about reality. Most religious stories are not good explanations because you can't criticize them, amongst other reasons why they're not good explanations. Quote unquote, ayahuasca told me that you and I are supposed to be together is not a good explanation because it can't lend itself to experimentation. And just by the way, ladies, if a psychedelic bro ever uses this line on you, please, for the love of God, don't. Quote, Trump is going to clean the swamp and release the sealed documents on date X, end quote. is not a good explanation because the specifics can be changed in response to contradictory evidence. Oh, it didn't happen on that day. Well, here's why, but it will happen on this next date. And then again and again and again, it never happens there are more bad explanations than good explanations. It is easier to find a bad explanation than to find a good explanation. But there are more good explanations that will lend itself to universal constructors being able to enact alchemy on the universe than there are atoms in the universe because we live in an infinite universe. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm gonna get back to what I wrote. We ought to train our minds to seek good explanations because we are the only known entity in the universe who can do this. Good explanations are what will allow us to reroute the next meteor that is coming to hit this planet that would otherwise annihilate all life here. Good explanations bring us into radical intimacy with God. And the gift of this intimacy is that God gives back to us alchemy. We live upon an incomprehensible continent of good explanations, all of which were discovered by human minds. Your food, your clothes, your medicines, your home, your plumbing, your electricity, your internet, your car, your Amazon packages, your computer, your language, your culture, All of it was created by a human mind seeking to understand reality, understanding that you are a universal constructor and that good explanations are possible is the beginning of infinity. I'm going to stop reading and just ramble for a moment. One of the things that I am deeply passionate about is reintroducing back into the spiritual community, the the attractiveness and the beauty and the utility and the function of the scientific process. I think a lot of people in the spiritual community, uh, at least the part of it that I'm a part of and that I can see, have been sufficiently wounded and hurt by quote unquote science in some way, and that we can look out at our world and make all these stories about it's as bad as it is because humans spend too much time in their minds and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying any of that is explicitly untrue. But what I am saying is that this interpretation, this understanding, of not science as a noun, but the scientific process that yields good explanations is not only the most powerful, useful and helpful technology that you could possibly learn how to use if you want to improve the world. It is also psychological hygiene that knowing specifically the bifurcation between a good explanation and a bad explanation can help you and your friends not fall into psychosis of grandiosity or psychoses of paranoia. It is arguably the most important psychotechnology that humans have ever created because fundamentally, and this is one of my Main points of contention with my brothers and my sisters in the spiritual space. We are, our consciousness is housed inside of a animal. Our animal evolved. And we have evolved to deceive ourselves in certain ways. We have evolved to justify and rationalize All of our behavior and all of our thoughts and how we think the world works to protect our feeling of being good and to protect our feeling of being right. And the degree to which we will deceive ourselves to keep those two stories going, you know, is the thing of history. You know, it's the thing that has made history. It's why fucking Shakespeare is able to write all of his beautiful stories and we still read them now. It echoes as a eternal truth, how badly humans can deceive themselves. The scientific process is the best psychotechnology that has been created by humans to help us navigate with grace our tendencies to deceive ourselves. I could go on and on, but I'm gonna come back to the article. All right. Universal constructors with the right good explanations can do anything, can solve any problem as long as it doesn't violate the laws of physics, physics, chemistry, biology, engineering, computer coding. These are slivers of God that we have discovered through good explanations. So to run the good explanation patch on the infinite game OS, you've got to download a few rules. Number one, chances are if you're not measuring and you're not testing, you're bullshitting yourself and you are likely suffering needlessly because of your bullshitting. The good explanation patch is the most important psychotechnology ever created by humans. So try it. Good explanations invite criticism. Good explanations require experimentation. Good explanations seek elegant specificity. Problems in life are inevitable, but all problems have solutions. Good explanations can solve any problem that doesn't violate the laws of physics. And here's the joke. Our current understanding of the laws of nature will always be incomplete because we live in an infinite universe. And this is one of the things that David Deutsch winks at throughout his book is, you know, the only thing that a good explanation cannot do is if it violates the laws of nature. But because we live in an infinite universe, we don't know the absolute laws of nature. Every single law of nature that we currently know is up for grabs of being overturned at some point in the next billion years. So we just don't know. So the wink is, you can't say anything is impossible. Technically, logically, and I'll get more to this because uh, it's really important for me to at least believe this or to know this. All right, for me, The holy grail of Deutsch's perspective is what he calls critical rationality. I think what makes more sense to me is I call it critical optimism, but here's the idea. And this is where I'm gonna go slow and I'm gonna repeat it because this is actually what will be most useful to most people now. It's not the most powerful idea. His good explanation idea in an infinite universe is the most powerful idea. but. The idea that I'm about to articulate, I think, will change people's lives if they really allow it to sink in. It changed my life, and I'll explain why at the end of this podcast. All right, so critical optimism states, number one, since the universe is infinite, the set of undiscovered good explanations is infinite. Two, To claim a pessimistic view of a problem, a.k.a. that it can't be solved, is akin to a religious conviction. Number three, because to claim that a problem cannot be solved is to claim that you know both the complete laws of nature and a complete set of infinite possible good explanations that are available in our universe. A.k.a. you motherfucking do not know that. So let's just go through that again. One, you live in an infinite universe. Therefore there is a infinite set of good explanations available that are not yet discovered Two, to claim that a thing cannot be done is akin to a religious conviction, because to claim that a thing cannot be done is to claim that you both know the absolute laws of nature and the full set of possible good explanations that are available in an infinite universe aka you do not know that it is not possible this is revolutionary for me at least because um i've had a part of me that i call anubis that is my hyper rationalistic skeptic analytic philosophy fucking party, bummer, gravity well of emotional angst. Um, No spiritual story that I have ever heard has been able to land in him in a way where it generated hope. He basically just begrudgingly allowed me to continue to live my life, even though he thought it was a waste of time. Learning critical optimism has filled or healed a, a poison that has been in Anubis since I was in college. And I can feel that he's healed in a way where um, it's going to change my life. I don't know exactly how it's going to go, but I can feel that this part of me has now come out and is ready to play. And the thing about this that is um, already starting to change my life is it's like, just pay attention to how you think today and just try to notice if something starts to frustrate you or something starts to make you upset or something starts to make you sad and just ask yourself, is there anywhere here where I am unconsciously accepting the story that there's no possible solution? This has already happened to me multiple times throughout this week. Um, it's helped me through times at work, times uh, in my relationship, and also times with my relationship to myself. Like how many of you try to change a habit and then find that you have fallen off the habit and without even realizing that you've just sat in a cloud for a couple of hours and the cloud is the belief that you actually will never be able to change. That's some finite game OS shit. And this critical optimism, like to me is this ultimate, it's like a laser. It just fucking cuts through. It's it's not even cutting. It just removes the fog instantaneously. It's like, oh yeah, it is actually a fact of reality. That there are, it's a fact of reality that it's not true, that I know that there's not a solution, period. All right, I'm gonna get back to the right. All right, so this got me excited. What this means is, the more that you relax into the structure of reality, the more that you let go of your bitterness against God and being itself, you will notice that there is not just hope for whatever problems beset you. There are more possible solutions to your problems than there are stars in the sky atoms in your body or doubt in your psyche. The infinite game OS with the good explanation patch allows you to play some of the following games. The bodhisattva game. I choose to believe that existence is an infinite spiraling game and I have chosen to reincarnate as many times as I need to to help every conscious being remember they too are bodhisattvas. I've been here before, and I'm coming back again. The Infinite Entrepreneur Game. Wealth is a function of access to good explanations. Everyone can be wealthy. There is no law of nature that requires people to be poor. I create and I share wealth to bring as many new players into the infinite game as want to join. I'm going to pause here and just bring in a couple of other ideas that are super important. If you are skeptical about the infinite entrepreneur game, if you think that you are, you know, well equipped with your critiques of capitalism or with your critiques of money or whatever, check out the Naval Ravikant Almanac. I don't think that's exactly the name, but if you Google Naval Almanac, um, Eric Jorgensen, you will find a book that is one of the best books that I've ever read on wealth. And try this definition of wealth on if you get hung up on money, because it's not about money. Wealth is the set of good explanations that one has that allows them to transform reality into the vision of the future that they want. Wealth is the ability a.k.a. the set of good explanations that allows you to transform what is into what you would like it to be. If you have a spiritual flinching at that idea, like just take a moment and get off your high horse and recognize that you have a set of good explanations that allows you to shit in the toilet and not in your pants. You're changing reality. You're changing your present moment from being in a place where there's not a toilet to a place where there is a toilet. So just allow yourself to let in the idea that you actually do have desires and that the universe is constructed in a way where you can actually enact your desires on reality to get what you desire. And that if you play the game that you look down at something like that, then your desires are in your shadow and you're probably creating drama and problems for yourself and the people around you because you're trying to hold a perspective of spirituality that does not align with human nature. So wealth is the set of good explanations that one is capable of enacting to bring about the intended transformations in the environment that they wish. So an example of this would be, if you're in an argument with your friend and you want intimacy, If you have a mental model that you can enact, that when you enact it, it transforms the argument into intimacy, that's wealth. If you want to create a phone that hasn't been created yet and you have the money to hire the people who know the good explanations to engineer that phone, that's wealth. That's a version of wealth that most of us understand as wealth. But fundamentally, wealth is the set of good explanations that you can use to transform reality. Resources is the total set of matter or ideas that can be transformed into a good explanation or that can be transformed by a good explanation. So, resources, obviously, like all the rocks and the minerals in our earth, people understand that as a resource. But your experience about how you lost 20 pounds, that's a resource your mental model that you are able to use to bring an argument into intimacy, that's a resource. The thing about wealth and about resources is that they are infinite because they can always grow with new available good explanations. A very clear example would be, there's a certain amount of ore on this planet that we can use to make computers. But as soon as a human had the idea that we could mine an asteroid, asteroids then became a resource that could help create computers. That is an example of we are in an infinite universe that is constantly available to us to be transformed by a good explanation that can turn the inert into a alchemical um, option. And the picture that he paints in the beginning of infinity is psychedelic, but completely in alignment with um, good explanations. It's incredible. Okay, so story number one is the Bodhisattva. Story number two is the infinite entrepreneur. Story number three, the infinite lover. My relationship with my partner is an infinite game. The goal is not to win. The goal is to continue playing. I practice daily to notice when I slip back into my finite games. And my partner and I practice getting back into the infinite game with each other. The Infinite Artist. Art saved my soul and my soul's salvation is because of the artists that came before me who made and shared their art. My thank you to them is to make the art that is mine to make because I know that there will be someone not yet born whose soul may be helped by my art too. The Infinite Parent, best captured by John Adams in the quote, I have to study politics and war so that my sons can study mathematics, commerce, and agriculture, so that their sons can study poetry, painting, and music. I love that poem, or that, that quote. Whatever my lot in life is, I work it with all my heart, so that my children can stand on slightly better land, and they will do this for their children into infinity. Our world is starving for the infinite game operating system. Because we're starving, we need the good explanation patch to avoid grandiosity and paranoia. It doesn't mean that we'll succeed, but humanity, because we are universal constructors and there is an infinite set of good explanations in this universe, has the potential to solve all the problems that threaten us, period. So the question is are you going to help out or opt out? Because the truth is, if you've listened to this point, opting out would be a choice, and opting in would mean infinite optimism if you have listened to this horizon series this final section is for you i owe this to you so i'm not going to hold back for the next two years i'm going to be teaching a class at fit for service called mental fitness but fuck the name i'm teaching people how to be dharma artists But because our culture is saturated in wounded stories around money, and I know that this class will change your life if you take it, I owe it to you to show you that you should enroll and that you can afford it and that your stories about why not to do it are bullshit. So by the end of this program, you will have the following. One, you will have an understanding of your mind that will dwarf any psychology class or training or certification that you've taken. Two, you will have a degree of clarity for your future that will cut through the apathetic fog of modern life. Three, you will have a simple and artistically fun system for behavior change. Four, you're gonna learn how to talk to your dreams and how to have a living dialogue with your dreams. And this is gonna change your fucking life. Five, you will have a framework for actually doing shadow work and your therapist will be your dreams. And I can't overemphasize enough how much of a game changer this is. Number six is you will have a mastery over technology that will create a peace of mind that you can't believe until you taste it. If you feel overwhelmed by technology, if you forget to do the things that you say that you're going to do, and if you feel like you're just overwhelmed, It's simply because you don't know how to use technology and with a couple of behavior changes, it will turn this distraction into a superpower. Number seven, you will have a clear map for how to turn your artistic calling into your vocation. And I can't overemphasize enough, if you find something you love to do and it gives you flow states, And the output of those flow states is that you can pay your bills and you help people you have found the philosopher's stone for life and i will show you how to do it it will work if you commit to it and number eight i will offer a new operating system for the mind of a modern artist who is going to thrive in the 21st century but most importantly If you join this class, you will go through it with 40 other people who out of the 8 billion people on this planet, they too were attracted to this program at this time. And I've seen this happen in Fit for Service in the last 5 years. The true magic is the community. The people that you meet in this class, some of them will be with you at your children's weddings. They will be the person that you will call when your parent dies. They might even be the person that you have children with. We've seen this happen with about six different couples. And if you are able to step over your stories about why you can't afford this, you will meet at least one person in this class whose friendship is so sacred to you that the two of you will find yourself sitting together deep into the night, sharing stories about how you almost didn't take the leap to join the program. But luckily, you both will be able to laugh rather than regret. And by the end of this program, you will have a story and a plan of action and a community that you can use to help build your future as a Dharma artist. But this isn't an online course. This is 13 weeks of online teachings, but then we are all going to meet in person with the other five classes from Fit for Service in Montana for five days. And if you're familiar with transformational experiences like this, most organizations charge more for the in-person experience than the class plus the summit that we're offering here. And the frank truth is there is no organization that I know that does the in-person experiences like we do. So now I owe it to you to break your story about why you can't afford this. This class is what college classes and certifications aspire to be. Most of us don't blink an eye, and we spend 80 to 200K on a college education. Almost none of us are employed using the skills that we were taught from that investment. And there's almost no reputable or successful entrepreneur that recommends going to business school. They all recommend that you get into the world and you start learning by doing. Think of this class as a investment in your continued education. The bottom line is, what would it be worth to be able to live your life doing what you love as an artistic vocation that you know is actually helping the world and isn't just you being greedy or being afraid? This class is the distillation of 13 years of my research and experimentations. The teachings in this class took me from wrapping burritos, at Chipotle to practicing my vocation that helps people in a way that feeds my soul and pays the bills. But it's not about making money. This class will show you how to live like an artist who is passionately alive. It just so happens that passionately alive artists with a little focus and intention can craft a vocation with that passion. If you have reached this sentence, I can tell you in full confidence You are supposed to be in this program. Let's go. Trust it. Go to fitforservice.com and join the Mentally Fit program for 2024. I love you, and I give you my word. It's going to be worth it. And if you're listening to this before February 20th, uh, if you want to hear my post-darkness recap a deep dive into my uh, mental fitness curriculum that I'll be teaching and starting on March 10th. You can go to my website, erikgotzi.com and click on the header at the top of the page that's called February 20th Masterclass. Again, if you want to hear what the darkness was like and if you want to get a deep dive on the curriculum that I'll be teaching about how to become a Dharma artist, And it's before February 20th. Go to my website, erikgotzi.com, and click on the link at the top of the page that says February 20th Masterclass. I love you guys. See you on the other side.